join the hosts of Brick City Blockade in the Cantina for an open discussion of a galaxy far, far away. So did you catch the Vanity Fair article that just dropped? I, I actually did not read uh, the article yet. Um, I did uh, watch a video uh, showing some of the behind-the-scenes uh, pictures and footage. So, uh, yeah. I know Annie, it's, uh, Annie Leibovitz, right? She's the the famous uh, photographer and I think going back to I think they started was the tradition back with uh, Phantom Menace and they kind of carried it each film although I don't think they did it for for Rogue One but it was just awesome just to see those four covers did you have a favorite cover uh strangely enough as much as I want it to be Luke, Ray Luke, and Luke, Luke. <laughs> I uh, uh, the Princess Leia. That it, so I want to say what was his name? Um, Bobby Roberts. He's uh, uh, he's formerly of uh, full of the Full of Sith podcast, and he's on one of the Star Wars Podcasting Alliance group on on Facebook, which mm-hmm. is a great group for not only podcasters but just fans of pod, Star Wars podcasts as well. But you know, it was something along the lines of you know just. Remove all the the text and words around it, hanging up in the Louvre. I mean, it was, yeah. it was a is a great shot, and obviously it, it's got a little bit more levity. It, it, now. But there is a classic feel to it. It, it stands out uh, amongst those four covers for sure. Um, though the uh, I've never seen a more miserable group of people <laughs> than uh, Kylo Ren and. Phasma uh, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and Hux, Hux. Um, they, they did not look uh, very happy but I guess uh, they have good reason to be a little ticked off in this movie um, so. and then obviously we saw the one with the with the resistance and we saw uh, Kelly Marie Tran's mm-hmm. uh, character named Rose did see um, the some of the new characters yeah. I think a lot of Star Wars fans were disappointed uh, that Benicio Del Toro was not Ezra Bridger <laughs> um, but you know what? That's the good the good thing about being a Star Wars fan and, and having these theories. And now we've got little tidbits from Ryan Johnson. We've got Mark Hamill elaborating even more. And I don't know about you, Jim, but I get even more excited about this film. You know, uh, you know, I'll get you know we're we're on the topic of giving plugs. You know, if you are into spoilers, and we don't do spoilers on on the podcast network, but if you're a fan of makingstarwars.net. And they usually have reports and they're, they're getting a lot of things. I will just say, like, if you've been reading along and, and maybe you've had the opportunity to listen to some of their podcasts, they were spot on. Like, they had the, some of the names that were released in Vanity Fair, so now they're technically not spoilers. They're out there. Yep. Cover your ears, listeners, if you don't want to hear that part. But, I mean, even confirming, like, the, the planet name, mm-hmm. some of the character names. And it's if I was them, I'd be thinking, like, this is some this is some uh, you know good confirmation that we're not you know full of it so but anyway so good stuff there and I know that Robin and the rest of the crew on the Brick City Blockade podcast network are going to have a lot more coverage of that but Jim we're not here to just talk about news no no we have a, we have a long running battle uh, between us and it's not a battle there's there's a lot of respect there too. That's what I tell you to your face, at least. Um, you know, and I, I think it is time that we... Uh, it's kind of the whole driving force, if you will, uh, behind this podcast. The whole idea of this is to get things like this out in the open and uh, kind of talk about it and, and see if uh, maybe people can be swayed one way or the other. 
it, this topic might be tough, but you know, if you've listened to the intro this long, we, we thank you and we want to welcome you to the Cantina, part of the Brick City Blockade Star Wars Podcast Network. Jim, it's episode number two. This is officially a thing now. And if it's anything like the prequels, this will be the worst episode. <laughs> so this shot. So yeah. I think you need it. <laughs> uh, I'll see if I can insert that in afterwards. We do have, we do now are a little bit more official here in episode two. We have two mics. Yeah, we're moving up in the world. So hopefully the audio sounds a little bit better. We even have a virtual soundboard. That's how high tech we're going now. And uh, we've got a new intro. Thank you, James, the voice of the podcast network. And, um, you know, last week, I, I just want to thank everybody that, that reached out to us on, on social media with a lot of great feedback and enthusiasm for the show, which was uh, just a smorgasbord of just rambling topics. But Star Wars people Bible. appreciated our going all over the place. We covered so many things last week with our, excuse me, last episode talking about The Last Jedi, and we went all over the place. So we won't disappoint you. We're going to continue that. But we, we teased it last time out. We actually have some segments now in between all of our incoherent ramblings. So hopefully everybody enjoys those. And again, you know, send the feedback on social media. Jim, we got you on Twitter. You did. I'm shocked. Yeah, I I, I caved and I said, all right, I, I need to get in on this and happy to do it. I've uh, you know, I'm, I'm oh, probably in double-digit followers. Isn't that exciting? That is exciting. Uh, amazing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and there was a, a couple of people on there where I had a little back and forth because they picked up on maybe not a huge amount of love for the prequels. Um, so I got to say, Amy Wishman gave you a lot of grief, and I love it. That was fun. Thank yeah, you, Amy. That was very fun. <laughs> so, all right, Jen, let's get let's kick it off. So, a couple of those segments we have, and we, and we kind of had the idea on the fly last episode, but our segment coming up right now. You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force. Balancing the force. So, you had the bright idea, Jim. Hey, let's let's have a debate about the prequels. And as it goes on, it won't just be the prequels. This will be a regular segment. Exactly. So we'll take up two different positions and talk about it. So it may not always be positives and negatives. It could be two different opinions or offsetting things. But in the light of having a good conversation and being respectful of others, we'll see if we can eventually balance out your negativity with some of my positivity, and then we'll add a net zero. Okay, well, let's, let's give it a shot. If I walk away from this conversation, I will just say that I have achieved greatness. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, who starts first? Do you start first? I start first? You talk first, I talk yeah, first? Yeah, exactly. You, yeah. Can, you can go first. Oh, really? All right, so... Um, you know, we, we were talking about this segment. We said, Brian had asked me if we should do five or three points each. And I said, I'm happy to do five or more. It's just I didn't know if you could find more than three positives. So I, I'm, I'm happy that you, you, you really put your nose to the grindstone and you came up with five. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to not go to the obvious. I'm not talking about Jar Jar Binks. I'm not talking about a lot of the things that people might think of that they're not happy with with the prequels. All right. Um, and uh, I, I want to say one thing before I mention the point, and I don't want to have anybody take this the wrong way. Uh, there are people that really get a lot of hate when they talk about not liking the prequels. 
Um, and I have a lot of respect for you know anybody who likes any part of Star Wars. Just because I don't particularly you know go nuts over them, doesn't mean that somebody else shouldn't enjoy them more than the original trilogy. Even though you should probably be on medication if that's the case. Uh, but you know, no seriously. What was that Twitter name we should send the hate mail to? <laughs> At Red Five Jim, please send all hate mail to. Yeah. Um, so no, it's it's really I think it's a generational thing. Uh, I grew up, uh, my, one of my first memories is going to the theater to see Return of the Jedi. Yep. So I love the original trilogy. Uh, people who grew up with the prequels, I think, could possibly love them more, and it's understandable. Um, and I'm looking forward to talking to my son about it in a few years when he gets into his teens and um, to see which series he likes better, because it's kind of a, another generation, right? And that's the best thing about Star Wars. 40 years, many generations. I can't even believe we're almost eight minutes into this and we're actually recording on the 40th anniversary of star wars and the 34th anniversary of return of the jedi yeah, yeah. it's amazing it is amazing i'm actually looking forward to going back to the may releases um you know it just you know even you know going back to you kind of you we're kind of talking generalities about kind of the the prequels and the differences between the generational stuff I think the thing that the prequels had going against them going into it was the immense hype and expectations mm-hmm. that everybody had for them. And George Lucas has gone on record several different times and he doesn't give a rat's bleeping, you know what, about what everybody else think. He yep. made it for him and he made it for kids. And that's the part that I think a lot of long-term Star Wars fans right up front we're just like nope nope I don't know if you've seen the new Lego Batman movie but in a part of it he's not yet there's part of it he's famous he's like nope 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 <laughs> so yeah that's that's probably a good uh, portion of uh, you know original trilogy Star Wars fans so alright alright so, so point now, one. now that I've gotten that out of the way yep. um, I am just going to start off with this original trilogy was about the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker fact Another fact, Anakin Skywalker was so weak in this, these movies. And, I mean, we see him as a little kid. Yep. Okay? And then we see him as a, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, whiny teenager. Yep. That's what it is. Um, and it wasn't, the acting was bad. But I don't necessarily blame Hayden Christensen for that. Um, because there were a lot of very good actors in the prequels that just didn't, come across in their normal way yep um you know but when it comes down to it i don't see the man who becomes darth vader in that movie in any of those movies i just feel like there was never something there that really expressed the um hate bubbling under the surface that that should have been there it wasn't portrayed well it wasn't written well it should have been uh, the rise and fall of Anakin, yep. and instead we kind of got um, Darth Vader the tween years or something like that. It just it didn't quite work for me at all. Yeah, I can't disagree with with some of that there, but I, I think a lot of it too was you know I I will fully admit the dialogue definitely could have been better, but if you take it with a grain of salt, knowing that it was written for twelve year olds. Maybe that's how twelve-year-olds talk. I, you know, I've, I was it written for twelve-year-olds, or is this revisionist history of George Lucas? He just Lucas said it. At, yeah, after the movies were made. Oh yeah. Oh wow, look, they're terrible. Yeah, oh, I wrote it for kids. Yeah. 
Sounds like a good app. Uh, all right. So, yes, I can see that to a certain point. I, I actually think the attack of the clones aspect of that, I can see it more. I think he does give a really good, a better performance in Revenge of the Sith. Mm, and if you act, it, he's a nine-year-old kid. I mean, your son's older than nine now. Mine's coming up on it in a couple of years. I mean, it, it's yeah. not out of the question for... It was an interesting choice to, to do 9, 19, and then essentially, I think it was 22. I think the Clone Wars lasted about three years. So yeah. essentially, Anakin was 22 at the time he became Darth Vader. So... And I, I kind of touch on the, the, the Phantom Menace coming up a little bit. Okay, so I should be ready for that one. So yeah, we'll, go, we'll come back to that. All right. I think my one of my top things about the prequels and, and what they lent to the Star Wars galaxy was the lightsaber battles. Mm. I think if you go through all of the lightsaber battles, I think even some of the things where even where they're tooling on some of the battle droids, I mean, I think that's still kind of fun. If you look at A New Hope, lightsaber battle I think we can all agree you know at the time it was revolutionary uh, after the fact probably not as much right the battle in Empire Strikes Back I think you have Je- uh, Luke that's not even quite a Jedi mm-hmm. and Darth Vader is I think we touched on this last episode he was basically toying, toying. with him yeah, definitely. and so then it wasn't until Return of the Jedi where Luke finally was realizing his talents and I think it was more of a, a lightsaber duel and I think it was more a match of equals yeah. I think in the prequels I think you get a lot of that that is the Jedi at their height and at first, it was a little shocking because you see a lot of acrobatics, and it almost kind of looks like a, um, almost essentially like a, a, a dance routine because there's so much. It's like so coordinated, but I mean, if you go, you've got Qui Gon and Obi Wan versus Darth Maul. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. John Williams adding the score to that. Mm-hmm. You've got Obi Wan Anakin against Dooku in Episode Two. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool, and then. I can't really defend the Yoda part of that. I touch on that too. Okay, good. <laughs> like I said, I, I can be, I, I can appreciate these, but I don't fully. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna. And then at the beginning of everything Revenge of the Sith, you've got Anakin and Obi Wan going against Count Dooku, and you really kind of see how far Anakin's come as a Jedi over the course of the Clone Wars, and now. We can go back and watch the Clone Wars series and mm-hmm. get a little bit of that development or missing about Anakin. And That's right. I, we've actually talked offline before too like the Anakin that we see in the Clone Wars I almost wish we got more of that in, yeah. in the feature films so yeah absolutely um, so you've got that and then later on you've got obviously the Battle of Heroes you've got Obi-Wan against Anakin you've got Palpatine against Yoda and you've got that um, literally the the dueling back and forth and and just the the, the continual cutscenes back and forth I mean right. that, that's pretty cool so I have to say probably the best thing, one of the best things that the prequels gave us was expanding on what we know about lightsaber battles. Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair point. Yes! There you go. Um, so th- this is a funny one for me because I think it's just very general and I like to be more specific about things, but I I watched The Phantom Menace, um, was obviously anticipating it quite a bit, went to the theater. And one of the things I thought of leaving was um, when I kind of came to grips with how I felt about it was, well, there's really uh, it it can't get any worse from here. And it was almost like George Lucas heard me and said, here, hold my beer. 
and then he came out with Attack of the Clones. It was just unbelievable. I I just I watched Attack of the Clones and I could not get over it. Um, worst lines of the prequels. I mean, everything you if you think of this is the worst of the prequel uh, prequel era. It's all going to be from Attack of the Clones. It's amazing. At least they got it all out in that movie, you know, and they, they kind of re- redeemed themselves somewhat with uh, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, worst lines of the prequels. Sand. Some, yeah. Sand. Oh, my God. It's coarse. It's rough. Irritating. Whatever he says. I mean, talk about Anakin is irritating. Um, but. It, well, it, it, okay. Hold okay. on a second. And, uh, yeah, it, it makes for great memes. I understand. But still, that's not what I'm looking for in my Star Wars movies. Um, and, you know, the scene, there's one scene that my wife and I just looked at each other while we were seeing the movie for the first time. And we basically just said to each other, WTF, you know, um, he's Anakin is going on and being exceptionally whiny, even for his character. And Padme just turns to him and says something to the effect of, I love you, or I've always loved you, Annie, or something. And we're just like, what? What is this woman seeing this guy? And, and so it, it, the that movie um, made me just walk out of there hating Anakin Skywalker. And I didn't want to hate Anakin Skywalker. No. I wanted to see the story of Anakin Skywalker. And instead, it got to the point in Episode 3 where I wasn't rooting for Anakin. I wasn't rooting for Obi-Wan. I was rooting for the lava. Like, please, take them both away at this point. And it was unbear- just unbearable. I can't wait to the you get all the hate mail about this one. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, in defense of Attack of the Clones, if you think about it, Jar Jar Banks was almost negated to nothing after... Phantom Menace. He had a couple lines at the very beginning when they're in Padme's apartment, but and then, of course, there's the whole theory of him actually being a Sith Lord. Well, true. I mean, yeah. it kind of would make the whole thing worth it. We wouldn't have that theory without Attack of the Clones. No, there's a so, redeeming quality. Nice job. I am. That's what I'm here to do. <laughs> defending the people. Alright, so I think the next best thing about the prequels was the continuation of Ian McDermott's character of Sheev Palpatine mm. and the the, the ability that they had where he was relatively young when he played the character in Return of the Jedi and was had a lot of heavy makeup on, yep. that he could reprise his role. And, and the funny thing is, is it took a lot of people some time to figure out like he actually was the Phantom Menace. And just the, the sheer... Individually, I think each film, the, the plot obviously falls short of expectations of fans. If you look at the plot line over the, the the beginning of it, and of course it's like, yeah, trade trade routes in dispute. But if you think about the the long game that Palpatine played to eventually be on both sides, and he wins regardless. You know the the meme, I am the Senate. I mean yeah. that that's that's what it is. We talked about it last episode on just the corruption of the the government, and and you start to see that. You see the fall of the Jedi Order. That all happens because of Palpatine. And the fact, and I think we talked about it last time too, uh, he definitely accelerated, you know, Anakin turning. I mean, I think he may have turned eventually regardless just because of all the different things that he had going on. And I mean, even Mace Windu in the first one was like, yeah, not going to happen. Yeah. But Qui-Gon was so persistent that that's, you know, that's why we got that. But uh, I think definitely that was one of the best. Palpatine, he is he is one of the actors in that trilogy that uh, didn't suffer from poor direction. He he did wonderful in that. And he was I think Ian McGregor was the other one. 
Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Obi Wan. When I was talking about rooting for the lava to take Obi Wan, that was completely exaggerated. I loved his character. Speaking of memes, did you see the one set where Obi Wan's talking to Luke and he goes, "Well, your father was wasn't very good at the floor's lava." Yeah, yeah, I, I did see that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, it, I, I did want to mention one thing about Attack of the Clones that I missed from my notes here, and it ties into what we were saying about the story of Anakin and the hate that was under that surface. The scene where um, he goes to rescue his mother and she's dead, yep. and I felt like they, oh my god, the the idea of seeing Vader in Anakin yep. come out and slaughter the Sand People, and he just looks ready to kick ass. He turns on that lightsaber, and they cut away, and it's just like, no, that's... I want to see that. And that would have been development of Anakin. You could see the Darth Vader in him at that point. Yep. And they lost that. They they didn't take full advantage of it. I can see that. All right, what's your next point? Um, something that bothers the heck out of me watching these movies. Continuity errors and storyline frustrations. <laughs> I, I can't defend that one. No. Uh, and the number one, and I have a great story about this one. Luke goes to Leia in Return of the Jedi. You remember your mom, your real mom, and yeah. she goes on to describe her mother, sad, be- but always, you know, beautiful, but always sad, just very sad. And then we find out in episode 3, 22 years later, George Lucas says, "Yeah, nobody will remember remember that. We're going to have her die after she gives birth." I thought she was always referring to Bail Organa's no, wife. No, that's why Luke says, "Do you remember your mother, your real mother?" Acknowledging uh, that Bail Organa is is not you know th- th- he's not talking about the Organas. Okay. Uh, so see, it, see, you learn something new every day. Yeah, it drives me nuts that he just swept that aside. He being George Lucas and just decided to rewrite the story. I'm like, buddy, you can't just do it. it maybe if you would have done the special editions and edited that part out, I could give you a little slack because you just changed your mind two decades later. Okay. But you left it in. So you should have kind of adhered to it when you made uh, episode three. And I, I remember being on a message board uh, after the movie came out and, uh, or no, it was before the movie came out, but it, there were spoilers that she was going to die in episode three. Um, and there were people literally saying, Oh my God, because of what happened in Return of the Jedi, please tell me that Leia is uh, born first and she opens her eyes and sees her mother, so it makes sense. And I'm like, wow, these people are really trying to wish away their troubles here. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't remember much from my actual birthday. No. Um, So I don't (laughs) think that quite explains it away if that's what they're clinging to. So that was one. um, Yeah, this is kind of a funny one. Leia is taken by the Organas, mm-hmm. hidden away on Alderaan, takes their name, and what happens to Luke Skywalker? He keeps his name, and they hide him on Darth Vader's home planet with Darth Vader's family. I It, it just seems it's I'm okay with that if, at the very beginning, Darth uh, Anakin Skywalker is not on Tatooine. I think that they should have started with Anakin Skywalker on a different planet, Mm -hmm. far away from there, and then Luke is taken to this no-name, basically Tatooine, edge-of-the-universe planet where, you know, seemingly no one would ever think to look for him. Instead, they hide, you know... He's almost in plain sight. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy. I I will say, though, too, they, you know, not necessarily retconning, but in Star Wars Rebels, we learn a lot more about 
the solidarity that that Obi-Wan has and basically he's there to not only I think you get the impression from in a new hope that he's just there and was ready to train Luke when he was ready like you get the sense watching Star Wars Rebels and then you know when Luke is reading Obi-Wan's journal I think we talked about this last episode too of all the the things that he fought off and, and the things that not necessarily they were there for Luke but he made it so nobody was gonna find him. Like, mm-hmm. and he was wa- you know, he was overwatching him the entire time. I mean, that was his mission. He, I think, he became more with one with the Force, and I think he became the Jedi that we eventually found out and obviously matured quite a bit. But I think we do get that a little bit. But yeah, I can, I can definitely see so, that. So, and there's, there's definitely more. I never liked the idea that uh, the original Death Star was being built at the end of Episode Three, and I know yeah, you're yeah, going to yeah. go into Catalyst. No, I, I won't actually. That and, one, that one, I can agree with it. They, and then Death Star Two, which is bigger, yeah, gets built in a matter of like no time compared to that. It just, it doesn't line up. And I'm like, they didn't. That scene was great, though. I will give them that. You yeah. know, Vader and Palpatine and Tarkin yeah. on the bridge of a Star Destroyer. Look, it's a fantastic scene, and maybe you could argue that it wasn't immediately after Vader became Vader and it was years in the future we were seeing but it doesn't feel like that when you're watching the movie alright so my next thing I think that one of the prequels did really well was just now granted some a lot of it was CGI but the the scale that we expanded that you know the original trilogy felt small it was a few planets it was a small group of people but then basically they blew it up so that it's more there's more world building. We we see Coruscant, Naboo. We go back to Tatooine. We've got Kamino, Geonosis, Utapau, Mustafar, Kashyyyk. There's probably a couple other ones that I miss, but and then we also see within the Clone Wars animated series, and and I consider that part of the prequels at this point. I mean, there's a lot. There's over a hundred episodes. I I cranked through them because Netflix I thought was gonna take them all away forever. <laughs> so I actually did go through them. But I mean, you, you there's Christophus and there's a whole bunch more other planets that you that you get. And and the one opportunity I think you made the point last time out, Jim, was the fact that there's so much out there if you want it. But you're not required to as a Star Wars fan. You're no less of a Star Wars fan if you don't know all of these things. And I mm-hmm. think that's why there's all of these podcasts that we do and on the network and other Star Wars podcasts out there that if you want the information, it's out there. But I think that was one of the big things that they did. Absolutely. No, it's a, and it is nice that we saw an expansion of the universe we love. Um, for sure. Uh, and I think there it, it depends on the storyline. And the storyline of the original trilogy just did not involve it didn't need a whole it. lot of planets. No. And, but you still saw there were still implications that the universe was very large because, for example, when they walk into the can- cantina in A New Hope, how many different species of aliens are there? So it's implied that there's a heck of a lot of planets out there. We just don't necessarily see them. Um, so on to... Uh, and this is actually in the order of, of how it bothered me, I would say, about these prequel trilogies. So we're getting to my, my final top two reasons. Um, the Phantom Menace. What'd they do that for? <laughs> really? No, honestly. I mean, uh, the, the Phantom edit that's out there, like there's a lot of fan edits. Yep. Uh, I started watching one of those. Uh, you essentially, and the one that I watched, I think there was a very quick one of them finding Anakin yep. uh, on Tatooine. And then there was the lightsaber duel with Darth Maul. Yep. That was it. Okay. And then there's the machete uh, order machete that's order. out there, right? Yep. Where you watch episodes one, uh, excuse me, episodes four and five. 
you go back and you watch episodes two and three as flashbacks, and then you watch Return of the Jedi. Yep. They just skip over The Phantom Menace, and that's because it's irrelevant. It does not move the story along at a point where or at a pace that was needed. You, yeah. you, you didn't have to start there. Yeah, it's a lot of character development and just setting setting the stage. But I, Character I, development of Anakin when he's nine years old, how much of what happens to him when he's nine years old actually uh, affected what happened to him in the next two movies? You know, leaving his mom, losing Qui-Gon... There's a there's a couple different things there, so I I can see that. I think bit. losing Qui Gon affected Obi Wan a lot more than it affected Anakin. I don't think the nine year old had much there, but yeah. All right, so talking about well some of the stuff in Phantom the Phantom Menace, I think some of the action sequences they did they did where you know George Lucas famously is like faster you know just you know fast paced type stuff that he was really started to go for you know in in the prequels but I mean you've got the pod racing scene a lot of people love it or hate it I actually really enjoy it especially if you're on a good sound system that that's actually pretty cool and I was just at uh, Star Tours at uh, Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World and I got that se- that sequence at the pod racing three times in a row mm-hmm. so I got very familiar with it recently but you know that's there I think at the beginning Attack of the Clones actually had quite a bit where you've got the Coruscant chase at the very beginning Yeah, that's pretty cool Mm. Um, you've got Jango Fett and Slave One over Geonosis, where you've got like that um, that sonic grenade, basically. Yeah, that was cool. Although you wouldn't hear sound in space, but still pretty cool. Uh, that's not a it's not something that's uh, relegated to the prequels. That happens in a lot of movies. Yeah, so. and I, and I think just overall the whole Geonosis section where you see basically. I don't think there's ever been any more lightsabers ignited on screen than than right there, and yeah. you just see that uh, you know even though we we hold the Jedi in in such high regard, and even Anakin said it in you know Episode One, but he later was the one that did it. But nobody can kill a Jedi, and you yeah. see them all getting cut down basically, and there's yeah. there's left with a small circle left. But I thought that was pretty cool, and then you get to Episode Three, the intro to Revenge of the Sith. I think that intro battle over there. Mm-hmm. The Jedi Starfighters, I think, by far, like one of my favorite ships in mm-hmm. all of the Star Wars movies. You have that that mix of the original Tie Fighter with, um, you know, still kind of looking prequel ishy, yeah. but those are pretty cool. And then I think the whole, uh, you know, we've been joking about it a couple times too, but the whole Mustafar section. I mean, you you wouldn't be able to have any of that technology in 1977, 1980, or 1983. Yeah, but I mean, it's funny because a lot of the things that you hit on are actually things that I don't like about the, the, the pod racing scene. Yeah. It, it feels like an eternity to me. That scene goes on way too long, um, and it felt just, I don't know. It, it, well, that's the, actually the, one of the things that George Lucas edited afterwards because in the, the first version that was out in theaters didn't have like lap two in it. That was actually added after the fact. Mm. So well, that's why you watch it now, like on digital yep. release or, or Blu-ray or whatever. Yep. That's why it's longer than you actually. But remember. all of those things, including the chase scene, um, it just felt. Make no doubt about it. The original movies are very campy, and there's dialogue that's delivered that is just corny. Um, but it's the combination of that with very CGI'd, fake-looking uh, areas, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things. You know, you look at how they did the Force Awakens. And, um, you know, you see uh, that they're actually on sets. All of those great pictures of J.J. Abrams uh, with Kushner, you know, revising the script while they're there on the set. They are surrounded by 
imperial looking structures it's not a green screen Mm -hmm. and i think i remember reading that like no set from the uh phantom menace or maybe it was all the prequels was higher than like seven feet or something like that because everything around that was green screened yeah now there's a lot of effects even in the newer movies and the prequels suffer because it was done in the late 90s early 2000s and those effects aren't as good as what we see now and i i understand all that but it also made for a lot of wooden line delivery and just even the actors themselves felt like they could never get into uh, their lines or show a lot of emotion because of that and it's a lot of those scenes that you're talking about that I think could have been great yeah but we're we're suffering because of that which leads me into my final point um, I'm dropping the mic after my point. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I can read it from here, and I think that's cheating. Um, so, <laughs> because that is a good point for all of the movies. It's not just specifically the prequels. So, you should think of a new one while we're talking. Um, so, uh, missed opportunities. That's if 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 I was going to um, describe the prequels. So, if you could hop back in your DeLorean and go yeah, back to talk to George Lucas, I would say missed opportunities yeah. uh, I was just talking about it with Anakin and the Sand People and I understand that's that's probably might be a little too gritty if they're looking for a kid's audience I know you can't show slaughtering of Sand People maybe the way we would see it if it was in a Rogue One type movie mm-hmm. um, but then at the same time you know we did have a, a pretty gruesome end to Anakin Skywalker uh, that they had in, in the very next movie so there was some leeway there but the missed opportunities I just mentioned how the the Phantom Menace didn't need to um, be in a movie in and of itself. I would have loved to have seen an entire movie of Darth Vader. Why not have Anakin's discovered and he's being trained in the first movie and he's, you know, he's being brought along. And then in the second movie, we really start to see the fall of Anakin Skywalker. And either at the end of that movie or at the beginning of the third installment, Mm -hmm. he is Darth Vader. And we get a movie of him hunting down and exterminating the Jedi. To me, this is what I think most Star Wars fans would have loved to have seen. And I think I have more to back that up now that we've seen Rogue One. Yeah. I mean, because that ending scene with Darth Vader, all it made me think after I came into that theater was we could have had a whole movie of that. In the telling of Anakin Skywalker, they could have made the most badass villain in movie history that much more badass. Yeah. And they didn't. And that's one of the things, like I said, about Anakin Skywalker in this movie. And we didn't see him become Darth Vader. It's because when Darth Vader appears on the screen and you're a kid watching A New Hope for the first time, whether it's today or whether it's in 1977, you're scared of that freaking guy. Yeah. And you don't get that from Anakin at any point. In the, um, and so we could have got more of Darth Vader and, uh, you know, even things like Darth Maul. Darth Maul could have been... You know, he couldn't have been Darth Vader. He wouldn't have reached that status. Mm -hmm. But man, what an awesome villain. And they just killed him off. And I I, think he had like two lines of dialogue. Oh, and it doesn't matter. He didn't need to speak a word. He didn't. He looked awesome. He acted great. The lightsaber battle was fantastic. Everything about him was great. And he was different than any other villain we had seen yet. And just in his acrobatic ability, just there was so much about him that was different. And then we went on to, and I love the actor that played him, but Count Dooku to me is incredibly lame. I just could never. He was get, much better in the Clone Wars animated series. I, and I, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but in Attack of the Clones and then the very beginning of Revenge of the Sith, um, I, he just felt weak. 
to me. He was a weak, and I don't mean weak in the sense of not powerful. I mean weak in the sense of just a weak character. I, I never bought it. And I'm like, okay, we gave up on Darth Maul and we got this. And I understand, like you were saying, dialogue maybe wouldn't have been as easy with Darth Maul. But, um, you know, just missed opportunities so much like that, that they could have given us to still all of the good points that you have on that list could have been there, mm-hmm. except we could have lost what we got in The Phantom Menace and had a little bit telling different telling of the storyline and got to see Darth Vader be Darth Vader. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. So my final point, and I think it was some of his best work, and you are right, I am cheating. And I went with the maestro, John Williams. But That's because you were reaching after point number four. No, I, I almost made it number one just because I feel like that was actually some of his best work. And it was so much different. Like he reinvented not only himself, but changing the error the era, not error, that that this was in. But, I mean, Duel of the Fates. Mm -hmm. Epic. Yes. Anakin's theme. Pretty cool. Mm -hmm. There's even a point in it towards the end. I think that song's about three, three and a half minutes. It's about through the three-minute mark. You get the hint of Darth Vader's theme. And it it almost goes there, and then it pulls it right back. And you Mm -hmm. get a lot of that um, in the prequels with, with with John Williams. Episode two, they did, and I think he had some scheduling things at that point. I think he was also doing one of the Harry Potter films at the same time. So out of all of the films that even he did, um, I don't necessarily know that it was his best. The The main score from that is Across the Stars, and that's kind of in intermingled in a lot of the different music. They kind of reused some of the Trade Federation stuff from episode one, and it kind of confused people in episode two because then they were using it for the battle droids, and it just... yeah. That necessarily didn't work, but I think then if you look at Revenge of the Sith and the Revenge of the Sith score, that's like that's right up there with even some of the original trilogy ones. I mean, the the all the different things that they had. You've got the ending with a Battle of the Heroes, but then even a lot of the the fall that we do see. If there was less dialogue and more John Williams, I think it's more believable. And and I think even George Lucas has gone on to say at one point like. You know, he. This is kind of it's a it's a mixture between a Western and you know a Japanese film and all that other stuff. You know, if he could make a silent film, I think he would. I mean, yeah. he just is not. I I totally agree with you. He's just not a fan of dialogue. I mean, yeah. that's not his thing. But a lot of those things with the fall of Anakin Skywalker, the you know the immolation scene, the dark deeds, Padme's ruminations, like when you're watching it, like you feel the weight of everything, and then you're just like when you see him and he's in the Jedi Temple and he basically he's basically just f this, I'm 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 doing that, you know, I'm going, and I and I th- I hate to say that you have to look into it a little bit more to kind of see it. It's not there on the surface. But I think John Williams definitely. That's yeah. But that is a hundred percent cheating. That is a cop out. You. It, it, that's like me coming in here. Or and if I was in having to defend it, one of mine would have been like, "Oh, what's good about the prequels? Lightsabers. Those are pretty cool." I mean, come on. John Williams is in all of them. He is. I mean, he is like thirty percent of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. It I is, think it's more than thirty percent. Well, you know, I, there's a lot of room for other stuff in there. But you know, th- th- what makes Star Wars Star Wars? The prequels are like taken away from that total. If you ask me. But, you know, I will give you one good point about the prequels. Um, I often wondered what... Uh, you, you ever seen C-SPAN? You know, the, the, like the yeah. government? I, I often wondered what watching C-SPAN but with aliens would be like. And it's good to now know after the prequels that it would still suck. That's, that's fantastic to know. 
Uh, so that was good stuff. That was good lively discussion, and we didn't really solve anything. I don't think we changed each other's minds at all. But um, you know, it's that's what Star Wars yeah, being, your, a, being your a Star John Wars. John Williams is awesome. Point was eye opening to me. I had never really thought of it that way at all. <laughs> so. well, well, speaking of music, one of the other segments that we wanted to kind of start doing too, and I will fully admit, I'm not a musician in any way. I'm not musically trained, but. Rebel Force Radio, a couple of years ago, they started a segment with David W. Collins of, you know, of LucasArts, and then he's gone on, and um, they've had him on in the past, and he's gone through and basically analyzed all of the, the different scores and stuff like that. Guy's phenomenal, probably one of the nicest guys out there in the Star Wars community. And ever since I've listened to those, I've, not that I feel like I'm any sort of an expert, because I'm definitely not, but it was actually, going back to one final defense of the prequels going back and, and listening to even I glossed over a lot of the complexities that John Williams did with the score but if you analyze it the way that he did and then you go back after listening to a couple of those episodes it definitely made me look at them differently I actually like them better after doing that and I think that's why I'm now more of appreciating them than I did before so it, it certainly isn't like I've always loved them it's I've grown to accept them. Whatever helps you sleep at yep, night. It does. That's okay. So anyways, what we wanted to do, Jim, was do like a, a segment where we look at the entire saga. We've got eight films now. And just as a talking off point to just either talk about like what this, you know, when you listen to the song, you know, what does it make you feel? What does it make you think? What does it make you remember? And just see kind of where that conversation goes. So what are we calling this segment? Presenting Max Rebo's greatest hits, including Why Do I Look Like an Elephant? This is Max Rebo's greatest hits. Max Rebo's greatest hits. All right, hit it. You, you, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, you shot down Droopy McCool's Music Minute, which I thought was much more catchy, but, you know. Uh, we could always change it. That's no, this is only episode like, oh, two. you got to go with Max Rebo. Max, Max Rebo. Rebo. He is just iconic, right? Yeah, and uh, this this robot chicken thing is... Uh, is it, it fits in right with our uh, our fandom here as Absolutely. jumping all over the place. So, all right, you start off first. I'll go with, with my f- my first one. And I, and I will say, too, in looking at all the all the films, we can even look at the animated series. So, I mean, essentially, right now, we're looking at either something John Williams has done, mm-hmm. Kevin Kiner in The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, and then Michael Giacchino with Rogue One. Mm-hmm. I actually... I struggle with this because I love so much of the music and I changed my mind about five different times but I actually didn't even go with something with John Williams. I actually went with something from Rogue One with Michael Giacchino. So the the one that I just, every time it it pops on my my iPhone when I'm either on a commute when I'm usually not, I usually listen to Star Wars podcasts when I'm driving to and from work. But if I run out of those, then I then I pop in uh, my Star Wars playlist. But the one that I always stop on, regardless, is the one at the end of the film, Hope, and that's obviously the one where we see uh, Darth Darth Vader going crazy. Mm-hmm. But the thing that got me about this one, where I think I have the appreciation of it, it's probably one of the shortest Star Wars tracks out there. It's only a minute and thirty eight seconds. You start out with obviously Darth Vader going down the hallway. And one thing that I've kind of picked up on, and, and I can't scientifically prove it at all, but anytime you really see the Force out of balance in any of the saga movies, 
where the dark side is either as the upper hand or is taking action where you actually hear a lot of the orchestral singing you see it a lot in return of the jedi Mm -hmm. when you see the emperor some of the emperor's theme has that you've got the part where luke and darth vader finally you know he luke finally snaps and you know goes at it and that's you know one of my favorite scenes in the whole saga but you start to see that a little bit and I think that part's excellent. And then basically as the you know the rebels launch the ship, you get the hint so slightly of the Imperial March, but it stops one or two notes right beforehand. And it's just like, you know, you can see that it's building to Empire Strikes Back, but it isn't ready to go quite there yet. So I yep. think that was something awesome that he did. And it leads into the opening of A New Hope. And when the when the plans are presented to Princess Leia, you get the force theme. Right. So in a minute and thirty eight seconds, you basically get some of the best of the prequels mm-hmm. with the orchestral. You've got some of the best of the original trilogy with the, the hint of the Imperial March. And then boom, it hits you with the Force theme. Yeah. And the Force theme, I think by far, I almost went with Binary Sunset. That's That was my first choice as well. See, I had a feeling you were going to pick that. That's yeah. why I chose not to go with Binary well, Sunset. And it's funny, um, to be honest with you, I changed mine on the way over here. Um, it was Binary Sunset. I was thinking about a couple other things. I went back to Binary Sunset. Um, but I can't say that mine doesn't include it. Uh, I, mine is also relatively short, though the full track on the score from mm-hmm. The Force Awakens is much longer. It's Jedi Steps, which yeah. is one of the most moving two minutes of music that you'll get out of any Star Wars movie. Um, it kind of along the same lines of what you're talking about. You get something that has the hint of Ray's theme, which I know a lot of people love. Ray's I love theme. Ray's theme. I almost have uh, that too. Yeah. I'll talk about that another time. You get hints of that. Um, and if you listen to it, there's this buildup in the background, which I love because it's almost like it starts off with this nice um, climbing feeling, you know, just as she's going up the steps. But then this lo- very loud bass starts building up behind, which is almost akin to um, uh, Kylo Ren's theme. Mm-hmm. A lot of that big booming, you know, just lower notes in there as it builds up. And you feel like it's building to this massive crescendo. And where you end up is all of a sudden there's just silence. And in the theater, I got goosebumps watching this. In the three times that I listened to these two minutes on the way over here again, um, just kind of, I was like, oh man, I got to do this, is when the French horn kicks in after this nice uh, break where it's just strings holding a couple of notes in the background. You get the French horns that kick in as Luke Skywalker's turning around. I picture it when I listen to the song. I picture that scene in that movie. And you get the binary sunset theme um, out of that. And there's just... It just feels like the melding of everything that's happened since we got the original trilogy. Yep. It, it's the it's Ray meeting Luke, and it was this nice blend. But also at the same time, I can't help but feel that those loud, booming, uh, low notes that are in the background of that as she's climbing those steps are almost representative of the dark side. And yep. what's going on in the conflict that could be within her mm-hmm. and the conflict with Luke um, throughout his entire life. Uh, and there's just so much there in that two minutes. And then, of course, it goes into the finale and it kind of goes through the whole score. But that is a fantastic two minutes. But and I usually and then we had it on our outro of our first episode. I'll, I'll have it again on this one. But I basically took. Um, the ending of Jedi Steps with the, you had the Force theme, mm-hmm. but then at the very end of it, if you listen to that track all the way to the, at the end, 
instead of the French horn doing the end of the force theme, you actually have that. Um, um, I can't. Even, I'm blanking on what the instrument is, but basically the the dinging sound with the bell oh, yeah, of yeah. what basically represents uh, red. Xylophone, I think, is what it is, right? And then basically you've got the ending of that, and you get the little the little dings that are in place of kind of the French horn, and it's like, oh yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's just uh, the guy is a genius. He really uh, is, and that that's I could listen to the Jedi Steps theme just that two minutes on repeat. It's it's fantastic. Um, so we'll revisit this segment. Uh, I like this stuff. Yeah, it it I definitely, I think, not only does the, I think the, the music definitely gives, uh, it, it makes the movies even better. But I think, to your point, and, and one thing that I totally agree with is you almost can re-picture the, the films in your head just by hearing the, the music. And yeah. you either, you remember the, the scene exactly, you remember what some of the dialogue was, you might remember exactly where you were when you saw that. And I think that is something that, Star Wars gives us that I can't think of any other movie franchise at all that, that can even come close to that. And that was one of George Lucas's original intents with intent with the uh, first movie was the percentage of the movie that has music behind it mm-hmm. was a much and I can't I wish I could remember the percentages from wherever I read this a long time ago. But if you looked at the average movie, you know, there's only. 10%, 15% of the actual time in the movie is filled by any type of music. It's a lot more. Star Wars, it's ridiculous. You know, it's off the charts. So. And you also hear, too, like, uh, who is the, uh, was it, uh, uh, who was the director on um, Ep- um, Empire Strikes Back? It was Irvin Kershner, right? Kershner, yeah. They actually went back in a lot of the edits, and actually at the beginning part of Hoth, they actually went in and, and took, and according to David W. Collins, he's done a, a you know a study of this, where there's like the original cut, and they basically took out um, several parts of that where you actually get the silence of being the desolate place that Hoth is. And before, originally when they were going to release it, there was actually a lot of background noise, and, they, and he showed both of them, like he was able to sync it up, which is just amazing. And I totally agree with the, 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 the final cut of what they ended up doing because basically it, it almost adds in like one of the things is basically like when they when they finally close the door and you get that like against all hope, this just is not going to work out well. And, you know, C-3PO, well, that's another thing I want to talk about at another time. Oh, it's a sore spot for you. It is. It is. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think even the absence of, of music can also kind of say a lot too because when it's I'm not there go, I've, I, I've never heard that so I'm glad you brought that up because now I'm going to have to go check this out a little yeah. bit yeah so I think I don't know if anybody's ever uploaded it to uh, to YouTube or not but um, I, I definitely know it was available if you go back uh, I'm sure if it was probably about a year ago because I want to say it was Star Wars Celebration Europe I think he did a panel and I think they put it on the Rebel Force radio feed you may be able to um, to find that that particular episode where he breaks it down, but yeah, it's just phenomenal stuff. And I mean, we're talking 45, 50 minutes here, and we didn't even cover a lot of the other stuff that we wanted to. No, no, I, I think uh, we'll we'll revisit the uh, balancing the force. Uh, we'll have to, and if anybody ever has an idea that that you think would be a good discussion topic, we'd love to hear that. Um, this we'll is one to, that was a long time coming. So. Yeah, and, there's, and I, we could probably revisit it again at some point. I, I could come up with about 20,000 more. Um, <laughs> you topped out at four. Um, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe I actually had a lot. I had a lot more, but mm-hmm. I decided to cut it. And I definitely wanted to include John Williams. And my order isn't indicative of yeah. my uh, my favoritism. I do, I do like lightsabers. So. Yeah. yeah well. But 
So, yeah, and uh, the Max Rebo's greatest hits, fantastic. We'll, we'll be back at that because there's so much good music to, the, to the talk about. The thing is, is we've got eight films now. And then, like I said, a lot of the stuff that uh, Kevin Kiner does is excellent. There's there's a couple. I wouldn't say like the entire album when you get it, it's like oh my god, this is also good. But there's a lot of tracks in, in each of them that are phenomenal. There's one that's coming. I hopefully when they release the one for season three, there was uh, with the character of, of Sabine and, and Kanan. There was just this interaction where you. Um, you know, basically, he was essentially training her. You know, she's a Mandalorian, and she had the dark saber from the Clone Wars. And you know, he's training her to use it so that she can take the mantle of being basically the leader of Mandalore. And just the outpouring of emotion and all that stuff. And you throw in what Kevin Connor was able to do. I mean, it was just fantastic. I mean, the the scene that we get at the end of season two between Darth Vader and Ahsoka. I mean, that is just. That's some of the best Star Wars too. I I gotta get you to watch Star Wars Rebels at some point. Uh, I'm I'm dying to. Um, and uh, since my busy season is over, it's on my list to kind of binge watch. Uh, sometimes, like soon, I said so. too, like I think I've even told you off air too. It, it it took me about half of season one to really start to to get the characters, and then over the course of season two, I grew a a, a huge appreciation for them. In season three, I would literally change nothing about any of the characters they have as the oh, main that's, cast. That's, I mean, I, I have seen uh, the first episode. Yep. Um, I've got a long way to go, obviously. Uh, and the only thing that uh, kind of I thought it was a little odd was a little slingshot there that Ezra had. I wasn't a big fan of that, but I mean, that is so nitpicky. Yeah. Um, it doesn't last that long. Yeah. It, it, even if it did, it wouldn't bother me enough to. I'm dying to watch the show, so uh, I will be getting to it. Excellent. So, uh, geez, let's close it out. We usually do something collecting. Have you gotten any, gone on any toy runs or gotten any stuff within the last couple weeks here? Yeah, not, not too much. I'm starting to get a little bit more into it. We're doing a big renovation at our house, so it's torn apart, so I don't really have any space to my office where all my collectibles are is packed up at the moment as new flooring goes in. But um, uh, I did uh, check out a comic store uh, in Reading, Massachusetts, uh, which was fantastic, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. I think I told you, but it's it's escaping me at the moment. So, uh, right in downtown Reading, though, fantastic selection of all um, you know uh, action figures going back to the 70s and 80s, right through the 90s and 2000s. Um, some black series. There was also um, have you seen those? Uh, they're like samurai version. Oh yeah. Of- uh, I forgot which company makes that. A Bandai, actually. Band- oh, that would make sense. And uh, and uh, they had one of those there, and uh, pretty well priced for what it was the Stormtrooper version. Almost picked it up. I just held off on it, you know. Um, but I did pick up some Black Series. I found the uh, the newer Wave Snow Trooper um, in one of the older Wave uh, original trilogy Tie pilots, which is something that I had been looking for. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I got to give a huge thank you to our own Chris Letty for. Tracking down a couple of the uh, 12-inch Hasbro Shore Troopers for me, that was one of the things that I had been missing from my, my shrine over my left shoulder here. So that's really the only thing I've gotten in store. I've you know with the, with the SH Figure Art stuff, you really have to kind of you know import those and you do the pre-orders. Um, you know, right behind you, I know you haven't looked at it yet, but you've got the the Anakin Skywalker that was just released from Attack of the Clones. I was just ignoring it. Well, I will also say that, and I'll do a review pretty soon. <laughs> that is probably one of the best likenesses that that they've done to date. I mean, it's it's spot on with Hayden Christensen, and then I just got the Chewbacca too. Although I'm a little disappointed that the scale is not what I would like. I think the the Hasbro Black Series one is. 
the appropriate height. So when you compare um, Chewbacca and, and Han Solo, I don't think it's going to look cur- completely to scale. But I'm not a big scale person. If the care, you know, if the, the figure's awesome and the details there, I, I can get over it not being as tall as it's supposed to be. But uh, yeah, and then uh, obviously with Funko, uh, they just did this Smuggler's Bounty box and the Luke Skywalker with Speeder right behind us here. That is that looks great. It's awesome. Yeah. I like to keep all those things in boxes because I don't have the space to have them all outside of them. But um, yeah, I love that too. I'm dying. I mean, you. Ha- it's funny that you have these right next to each other because isn't the you have Ray Speeder and Luke. Uh, in his speeder. This is the next Black Series scale vehicles, is it not? These Those two, which... look so awesome. We yeah. found some, we put some of the high-res images from Hasbro up on, on BrickCityBlockade.com. I think we looked at them before we recorded our first episode, and, and literally those things look pretty cool. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely going to pick those up as soon as possible. It's one of those things. I'm, I'm never a big fan. I like the hunt. I like finding things out in the wild, if you will, and yep. not finding them online, um, though I still buy plenty of things online too because it's just so damn easy um but uh these two things are, are something that i will find any way i can and, and probably pay a little premium if i absolutely have to so if anybody sees these in the wild come this fall get a hold of it's a red five jim on there twitter you go. all right jim i think that is going to be a wrap on episode two not attack of the clones <laughs> so it's a good discussion and like I said um, you know reach out to you know reach out to us on, on Twitter interact with us on our Facebook page for the Brick City Blockade podcast network head over to brickcityblockade.com you can now find Jim on Twitter at red5jim yep send him all that that hate tweets about uh, his non-love for the prequels or support me I or support plenty of you out there <laughs> <laughs> it was a good discussion. Anyway, so and you, you can balance to the force. Yeah. What more could you want? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Jedi Scavenger SW, also over on Instagram. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast network on iTunes, and we would greatly appreciate it if you can leave a rating that you deem appropriate, <clears throat> five stars, and, and even you know a couple um, you know, a couple sentences to kind of what, uh, you know, if you if you truly enjoy the work that we do here at the network. So I think that's going to do it, Jim. It's a great time. And until the next time, may the force be with you. Always. What the hell is an aluminum falcon?